This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Start with the first 10 minutes and say, okay, what do I want to change? What am I excited about? And then if you try it, make it a practice. Like just for a week, collect things that are exciting to you or interesting to you. Like when a friend says something about a job they get to do and that's interesting to you, like pay attention to that. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about reaching your potential through goal setting. To help us get motivated and realistic with our goals, I've invited speaker and author John Acuff on the show today. John is the New York Times bestselling author of nine books, including his most recent one, All It Takes is a Goal, when he's not writing or recording his popular podcast of the same name. John can be found on a stage as one of Inc.'s top 100 leadership speakers. He's also a family man living outside of Nashville, Tennessee with his wife and two daughters. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. John, you performed a really cool research study about if people are living up to their potential. Tell us about the study and what you learned. Yeah. So when I felt like I wasn't living up to my own potential, I got curious, do other people feel the same way? That's often how my books start. I find a challenge in my own life. Then I think if I fix it and work on it, would it help other people? And so there's a PhD named Mike Peasley, who's a professor here in Nashville, where I live. We asked 3000 people if they were living up to their potential and 96% said no. And even more than that, 50% of people said 50% of their potential is untapped, which is like only opening half your Christmas presents every morning. And so (laughs) I knew, okay, there is a need, there is something going on. So what does it really look like for all of us to tap into our potential? So that was the research definitely checked that box of, is this worth spending a few years trying to answer this question of how do you live up to your full potential? I love it. Well, what do you think is holding us back as individuals to reaching our potential? I think there's a million things that hold us back. I mean, I think one is fear, just gigantic fear. And fear can look like perfectionism for some people. It can look like imposter syndrome for some people. It can be procrastination for other people or analysis paralysis. So fear is definitely part of it. Sometimes they've never just seen somebody do the thing they want to do. Sometimes they've never even known somebody in their small town that's written a book. And so they don't even know that's a possible thing that humans just like you get to do. Sometimes they're just really busy. They've got a lot going on. Sometimes it's distraction. They're really busy, but they're doing seven hours a week on Instagram, which is 28 hours a month. And that's paying you $0 approximately. So it can be a variety of things. I think there's a lot of obstacles that get in the way. And then the last one is sometimes they think they need a perfect vision before they get started. They think they need to know exactly where they're going before they take the first step. So you'll see people say, as soon as I know what I'm going to do, or my niche for my business, or my exact health plan, and they think they have to have it all mapped out before they start. And what usually happens is they don't even begin. I resemble all of those remarks, especially the the wasted time on Instagram. I would I would definitely raise. Yeah, my yeah, hand yeah. You're, I feel for, like you're scrolling right now. I can't. I, I can only see what? the top half hear, of you. I didn't even hear what you said, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you're I, just like, oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, cool. Something books. about uh, reels. Yeah, I don't know. Goals. What you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. You talk about these different zones that high performers bounce between 
in your material. Can you talk about those different zones again for people to maybe resemble some of those remarks you just said? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say to your listeners is congratulate them that they're high performers. Low performers don't listen to podcasts like this. Low performers don't even know podcasts or ideas like this <laughs> exist. Like they don't, they don't read books like mine. They don't even know that part of the store exists. So number one, congratulations, you're a high performer. Now the challenge is being a high performer doesn't automatically make you a high achiever. We all know plenty of people who are capable of, of amazing sporadic bursts of performance, but they don't turn it into long-term sustainable life change. And the reason why is that high performers bounce between three zones. One is the comfort zone. We've all heard of that. Everybody's familiar with that. But the one that gets people in more trouble is actually the chaos zone. That's on the opposite end. And the chaos zone is when you try to get out of the comfort zone and you go, I'm going to do it. A lot of people enter the chaos zone in January. They go, it's time to do January resolutions. Like I'm going to try yoga, start my own podcast, read 10 books, get in shape, budget, and date my spouse. And they try to do it all in the same weekend, which is chaos zone behavior. None of it works. And they ricochet back to the comfort zone. That's why we have the phrase yo-yo diet in this country. People yo-yo back and forth between those two zones. And in the middle of those is the potential zone. It's kind of the Goldilocks zone. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's when you're doing the right amount of goals in the right way and you start to see real progress that is sustainable. And it's not that you're stuck and don't do anything. It's not that you get manic and try to do it all. It's that you figure out what works for you and you continue in that potential zone. I love it. It's like you're in my brain, man. I feel that every January. I want to be everything and do everything. Oh, yeah. You read a book, you hear a podcast, like you're like Eminem, Mom Spaghetti, and you're like, I'm doing it. Somebody inspires you. And you know, you sign up for an Ironman and you haven't run a mile yet. And you're like, I'm doing an Ironman. It's like, you could you could do a 5K. Like they have those. Like you could do a K, just a single K. Like what if we started there? And you're like, no, I got to buy a bike that's carbon fiber. I got to get all in. And you go, Okay, okay, which is, again, you've swung to the chaos zone. I've lived in both the comfort zone and the chaos zone. I think that golden mean you're talking about is what a lot of people are, are looking for. Talk to us about your history with this. You, you mentioned briefly you wrote this book because it was a problem that you were experiencing. Talk to us about your, I guess, your history with goal setting and maybe living in between these two zones. <laughs> yeah, so the real issue happened when I took my oldest daughter to tour colleges. So we went to Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. My wife went there, I went there, and we're standing there on campus. We've got our oldest daughter, Ellie, there. And my wife says, wasn't college amazing? And I was having the opposite memory. And I said, no, college was a mess. Like, oh, just what a mess it was. Because I was looking at all the things I could have done that didn't do. I didn't live up to my potential in college by any means. And so as we drove back home to Nashville, I I started to regret that. But because I had just written this book called Soundtracks about mindset, I knew that I get to choose my thoughts. And I get to pick thoughts that are true, helpful, and kind. Is it true I didn't level up to my potential in college? It is. That's that's just a fact. Is it helpful for me now at 47 to go, you failed in college, you failed in college, you failed? Like, no, that's not helpful. Is it kind? No. So what could I do instead? I could say, those are four years, but I might live 40 or 50 more years. How do I live into those years? How do I tap into my potential going forward? So for me, I really feel like I started to get excited about goals at about my mid-30s. And then in my mid 40s, really started to say, okay, I think there's, I think I'm capable of more. I think there's more here. What would that look like? You know, and, and I started to write more books and I started to build stronger relationships and I started to see all these tools that really help with potential. And again, that's, 
it's kind of, if you say, what are the three things that I think about when I write a book? One is a personal connection. I have to be connected to the content. We've all read books where we could tell the person it was a good topic, but they didn't care about the topic. Like they're not like the texture isn't there because you could tell it wasn't a heart book for them. It was a handbook. Their hands wrote it, but there's not a lot of heart. So the second thing is I need a need. Do people actually need it? And when 96% of people say they feel like they're not living up to their potential, there's a need. And the third is I go to the marketplace and I go, is there a spot for me to add this to the conversation? And a lot of the books about potential were so fuzzy and so high level and so holistic that I didn't know what I could do with the content. Like I try to write and go, what do I do with this on a Tuesday? How does this help somebody on a real Tuesday when they've got a, you know, when somebody says to a busy mom, you should spend the first two hours of every day reading and working on self-care. And they go, oh, okay. I didn't realize I had 14 hours of free time this week. I'll, I'll tell my three-year-old, I need to first read for an hour to start my day quietly. If you don't mind, if you could not be three for like, that's technically true. Two hours a day would help you. It's not practically true. So I, I get obsessed with this idea of how do you build amazing lives while at the same time recognizing real people doing real change? Like, how do you combine those? And so that's what I got excited about potential. And that's what I started to do in my own life and started to take hundreds of people through these ideas. By the time it comes out in a book, I've already taken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of real people through the ideas. So I don't have to guess saying, I hope it works. I go, no, I like, here's how it applied to a single mom. Here's how it applied to a retiree. Here's because they've already poked holes in it long before. Like a book is the last thing I do. There's so much along the way that I do to make sure. So like for me, the 40 real stories that are in the book from real people, that's my favorite part because then it's not, I'm 47, Andy, like God forbid if I write another memoir type book, like, like it's enough already. Like I can't have another book. That's like, I found another part of me. You might be interested. Like I'm 47, dude. Like I haven't touched Mars. Like I haven't. <laughs> so like for me to expand it to where it's big enough that it helps a lot of people, that's where it gets exciting. Well, I mean, we started to touch on a little bit. So it's not the comfort zone and it's not the chaos zone. It's this area in between. And it sounds like, I mean, we even hyperbole joked about it. You know, you don't have to run a hundred, hundred mile race to begin with. A mile is fantastic. So it seems like micro steps are a way to get where we need to go. Can you talk about the importance of that and maybe why we missed that in January? <laughs> yeah. So you have to think about it like a ladder. Imagine a ladder, Andy. And it's a 12-foot ladder, and it only has two rungs, one at the very bottom and one at the very top. And you <laughs> say to me, most people, the way they dream is they go, I want to start my own business. I want to write a book. I want to lose 100 pounds, whatever the goal is. That's the very top rung. And then they're at the bottom rung, and they they can't get to the top. Because that, that'd be like saying, hey, to accomplish this, you just have to jump 12 feet in the air. That's two feet higher than a basketball room. So you know how you've never dunked? You just need to jump higher than that grab that and then pull yourself up. Now imagine a different ladder where I said, okay, Andy, here's a ladder and there's a rung every six inches. Can you climb to the top of that? You go, this is, this is the easiest ladder in the world. That's what a good goal does. So it starts with some easy goals that are attainable and you build and then you get to some middle goals and then you get some, some bigger goals, some bigger goals, some bigger goals until all of a sudden you look up and go, well, I've wrote a whole book. Like I, I finished the book or I lost the weight or I built the business. Imagine, you know, I'm, I'm writing a new book right now. I've got a new book due in a couple of weeks. And if I only had one rung at the top of my ladder that said, finish the book every day for a year, I'd feel like a failure. 
because every day I don't finish it. But yesterday I wrote 300 words because I had a 300 word rung to climb up and I, I won that. I felt great about that. And today I had another 300 words and tomorrow maybe it'll be a meeting with the publisher. I'll have all these rungs. So every day I'm making progress, I'm feeling successful. And at the end of the year, I get to hold a whole book I finished and I climbed to the top of the ladder. So that to me is the easiest approach to actually accomplish things. I love that. I love that. Let's talk to the person maybe who's thinking, you know what? I haven't just taken the time to figure out what those goals are. I mean, I, I've got nothing that's motivating me or dreaming. I'm, one of the things you talked about in the beginning is just general motivation for people not moving forward. How do we, I guess, concretely decide where we want to go? Yeah. So, I mean, I like to think about life in simple terms. I like to take big, complex ideas and then simplify them. So I would just say to that person, let's think of life in five games. So there's a career game. Like you're, most people are playing some sort of career game. There's a financial game. You got bills to pay. You're trying to save money, pay off debt. There's a health game. Like that could be getting in shape, physical shape. It could be mental health. Like you want to reduce your anxiety. There's a relationship game. You want a strong marriage. You've got kids that you're trying to parent. Like I've got a rising senior in high school. That's a different type of parenting. Like as a dad of two teenage daughters, I now know the movie Mean Girls isn't a movie. It's a documentary. So like I'm, I, that, that's a parenting goal for me. It's like, how do I help them navigate high school? And then there's a fun game where it's a big, broad category, anything that doesn't fit into the other category. So that could be, you want to read a bunch of books, you want to maybe write your own book, you, you know, you want to learn Spanish, you want to go to Norway, whatever. I would say, pick one of those games to try a goal in. So pick one of those areas. Like, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be final. But if you tried a small experiment, if you said, okay, I am going to see if I can get 3,000 steps, you know, four days this week. And so it's, I'm going to have a health, I'm going to play a health game or I am, you know, I love to read and I've fallen out of the habit because it's easier to watch Netflix than it is to read a book. And that's the other thing is that you have, I don't know, 30,000 developers against you right now. Like there's <laughs> 30,000 people right now and their goal is your time. So don't beat yourself up. Don't go, I can't believe how distracted I get. I can. There's an entire industry whose job is to make sure you don't achieve goals because they have a goal, which is you watch their content and they're very good at it. It's 30,000 people to one right now. If you were in a basketball game and I said, you just have to beat all 30,000 people at the same time, you'd be like, I don't like these odds. So the odds have been stacked against you, but you can do small, simple things to reclaim some of that time. So that's what I would say. And I would say ease into it. I wouldn't say we have to know a perfect plan. I would say, let's not start with one you're ashamed of. I think it's hard when your goal is, I feel like a failure in this area. So now I just have to get motivated. Like, oh, I've never met a single person who said, yeah, I got my life together. When I told myself one day, you got to get it together. You're <laughs> terrible. I've never met somebody on the other side of that experience and said, yeah, I shamed myself into long-term happy success. Like, I've never met that person. So I'd find like one of the five games and I'd do a small experiment. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. 
I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. On the motivation side of things, you mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes they're just not inspired because they haven't seen it. I feel that a lot. You know, there were certain people that I came across through podcasts or books or whatever that then gave me the motivation to want to move towards it. Give some people some tips on like, if they're not dreaming big enough, how can other people do those dreams for them, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So what I like to encourage people to build is what I call a motivation portfolio. So motivation is the flightiest thing in the world. Like we think we're going to find one true north and it'll guide us for the rest of our life. That's never how motivation works. Motivation is usually the first thing to leave your goal when the work shows up. And so day two, you're like, all right. And motivation is like, I'm, I'm out. Like you got real work to do. <laughs> so what I tell people is have a motivation portfolio. What I mean by that is have a lot of things that motivate you. So I collect them. So some days, Andy, it's the thought of my kids, the example I'm showing my kids that you can do challenging things. And that, that motivates me. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's a conversation with my buddy, Bill, where I go, hey, I just need some encouragement. Sometimes it's a podcast I'm listening to. Sometimes it's a book I read. Sometimes it's a movie clip. Sometimes it's a YouTube clip of somebody in a singing performance who didn't look like they could sing, but guess what? They could sing. <laughs> and the idea of some underdog doing something is inspiring. But I like to have 10, 15, 20 things that motivate me so that on the days that I feel like I need motivation, I can go. The other day, I did not want to run. It was raining here in Nashville. I don't, I didn't want to run. And I had coffee with my buddy, Rob, and he mentioned, yeah, I'm going running today later. And I said, well, it's raining. He's like, yeah, but I, I've committed. So I, whether or not it's raining, I'm going to go. He didn't tell me you got to get out there, but you better believe when I came home, I was like, man, Rob's going to be out there. I got to get out there. Like, what am I doing? Like, let's go. And then we texted each other. So that day it was a guy named Rob Foss. So I feel like if we treated motivation like that, we wouldn't hope it showed up. We would treat it like a skill and then we would work on the skill. And here's the big thing, Andy. 
I'm a naturally negative person. Like by nature, I'm very pessimistic. I'm very cynical. I grew up in Massachusetts. Maybe it's my, my New England upbringing. I don't know. By nature, I'm not a positive person, but I've tested the, the, the ROI of positivity and negativity. And the ROI of positivity is so much better. Like it's so much better. So I work really hard at being positive because it doesn't come natural to me. I think it does come natural to some people. And that's amazing. I'm, I'm jealous of those people. But for me, I have to be really deliberate throughout my day to stay motivated and to stay positive because I know what it turns into. It turns into more books. It turns into better conversations. It turns into me serving, you know, audiences really well. So I, I really make a practice of positivity. That's great. Yeah. It starts with intention. I mean, your goal is to to move that way, setting a goal and then moving towards that way with intention. Talk to us about distraction because it's everywhere, man. I mean, we talk about social media. We talk about the lure of these 30,000 programmers. Let's talk to the person who's listening being like, I do only have 24 hours in a day. I got to sleep. I got to take care of my kids. I got to get them to school. I got to work. But I also want to work on these important five games that we talked about. How do I find the time with all these other things distracting me, whether it's my, my schedule or just the realities of media today? Yeah. So the big thing there is when you figure out something you enjoy doing, it'll start to clear your schedule by nature. So you don't wake up. Nobody wakes up one day and goes, today is the day to be disciplined. Today I'll have willpower. Today I'm going to have grit. Like just because, like I don't have any other desire. I'm just, I feel like I should have willpower. Nobody does that. What happens is that they bump into something they kind of sort of might like, and they start to give it a little bit of time and they go, I might like Orange Theory, that workout. Like I might, that made me feel good. Or I might like reading. I might like writing. I might like podcasting. I might like this thing. And then as you start to do it, you can't help but want to throw logs into that fire. And the logs are 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, maybe an hour if you've got the time. So for me, when I started blogging in, the mid, in my mid-30s, I um, had a full-time job. I had two kids under the age of four. I had a beautiful wife. I had a bunch of commitments. I had freelance clients. I had an Atlanta commute, which will just ruin you. And I started to blog a little bit just as a kind of an experiment. And I started to love it. And I started to go, wow, I think I could really do this. And that made me get up early. I didn't get up early and say, I'm productive. Like once I had that, I was like, oh, I want to do this some more. That made, that made TV something I didn't want to watch. I didn't decide to not watch as much TV. So I always tell people like, when you find a thing you care about, it'll make Netflix boring. And that feels impossible. But when you've got a thing you love, like you just start to go, this is doing nothing for me. This baking show is not moving my own <laughs> bakery ahead. Like it's fine. I can do mindless television, you know, at night, whatever. But I really, I want to throw those hours at this thing that could really change my life and change my family, change my community. And you just start to get really excited about that. I mean, that's the kind of the heart level. The head level is just stuff like I don't, you know, have my phone in my bedroom with me at night because I know like it's not that I'm strong. I'm just smart enough to know I can't beat my phone. Like if I touch it, if it's in the room with me, like I'm going to be scrolling or like the other night I stayed up to like 1 a.m. watching YouTube videos about S Singapore's number one stingray breeder. He's a man in, in Singapore who breeds manta rays. I'm not even in the market for a manta ray. <laughs> I didn't even know that was an animal you could legally own. And I was like, I better deep dive on Singapore's thriving stingray breeding market. Like that makes no sense. So for me, I have to do little things like the phone gets plugged in in my office and it doesn't 
come into the bedroom with me, you know, that I, I read books I really want to read. Like I don't torture myself with books I don't want to read. Like if, if reading is a goal and you're like, I want to read more, don't start with like war and peace. Like it's already <laughs> challenged. Don't be like, Ugh, I'm going to read the tax code of Illinois. Like, no, like start with something fun. So I try to make it easy for myself to not be distracted because I know how distractible I really am. This is great advice and very practical for a lot of folks out there listening. Now, you're a dad and you've learned quite a bit in writing these books and collecting all these things that have made a big difference in your life. How do you go about parenting the things that you know are good to your kids when sometimes it's difficult for your kids to listen? Well, I mean, I, I, I know it takes a village. So I like I, I have a friend named Reggie Joyner that talks all the time about there's going to be trusted adults in their life that can tell them things you can't. So I, I go in knowing that. I know Amy Fenton, my oldest daughter's small group leader, has conversations with my oldest daughter that I don't have. Like, And I have as many as I can, but I know there's other wise people in their lives, and, and that's exciting to me. And then we also just make it part of our conversation. So like when I wrote the book Soundtracks about mindset, we would talk about what are our family soundtracks. So like one of them is we don't show up hungry. What does that mean? It means when we go on a road trip and somebody's kind enough to let us stay with them, we don't roll in at exactly dinner time and say, we'd also like this to be a bed and breakfast. So <laughs> feed us now. We will deliberately stop an hour before we get there to eat dinner so we don't show up hungry. That's a micro soundtrack about a macro principle. Think about other people. So we talk about that stuff. We work on that. So it becomes part of like our vernacular. And then we also pivot where we need to. Like I was so self-righteous, so self-righteous about what age my daughters would get phones. And the bad thing about me is because I have a platform, I can say bad things on podcasts and be said like, she's getting it when she's 16. Like I had all these things like that. And then one night my wife said, you know, it's too bad. Ellie is the only one in her, her small group that doesn't have a cell phone. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, well, they all text each other, encouraging Bible messages and, and notes all week. And she misses that. And it just was a gut punch that I had this impression of the phone is purely evil. Nothing good can happen. We have to ban it until she's 16. And I had to pivot and change and go, I was wrong. I brought my old old thinking into that as if they're going to call our home phone, which we don't even own. You know, and so I had so I think that's the other thing as parents is you you figure out where you need to pivot, where you need to change. And you treat each kid like an individual. Not every kid needs to get their phone at the same age. Like in the same way that some kids don't need to drive right at 16. You meet kids, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're more of a drive at 17 kind of kid. Why don't we get some more miles under that belt before you're whipping around Detroit? So like, that's, that's the other thing is like, okay, what, what does this specific kid need in this specific moment? Yeah, I think that's great. I think taking the individualistic nature of your kids as well as being, you know, humble and letting your kids see the, you being humble when well, and apologizing happen. to them. I had to exactly, apologize yeah. to my kid yesterday for something, and I'm like, as a parent, that that's not a fun practice, but it's valuable. <laughs> like, I had to say, like, hey, sorry about this. Like, I blew it on that one. So that's the other. That's the other thing is like being able to say that so that they see, like, okay, they're they're a real person too. Yeah, I mean, if we want to model, hey, when you make a mistake, apologize. Then we gotta. We got a bottle that's our kids not fun. actually. Not fun. It. It's not good. fun. You're, you're absolutely right. John, there's somebody listening and they're ready to tap into their potential. What is one small step they could take following this interview? I always, I'm a big write stuff down guy. 
Like I would just say like find 10 minutes and, and give yourself permission to write a few things down. If you're not a write stuff down person, like give yourself 10 minutes to put something into an audio, you know, and just hit go on your phone. I would just say, give, you know, start with the first 10 minutes and say, okay, what do I, you know, what do I want to change? What, you know, what do I, what am I excited about? And then, then if you try it, make it a practice, like just for a week, collect things that are exciting to you or interesting to you. Like when a friend says something about a job they get to do, and that's interesting to you, like pay attention to that. I think there's a real power in self-awareness. I don't think you can change your life without having a degree of self-awareness. So as your head and your heart go, oh, that's interesting, write that down. And at the end of the week, you'll probably have 10 things that are interesting. And if you sat down and said, I have to have them all perfectly mapped out, you'd, you'd freeze up. But if you collect them and, and give yourself the chance to look for those things, you'll be surprised what you find. Think about John's metaphor too, of that leap in the ladder and realizing that it takes multiple rungs to get where you need to go. John, I think this is a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for having it with me. Tell us about your new book, All It Takes is a Goal and how people can get it. Yeah, so it's available anywhere books are sold. I read the audiobook and we put 10 bonus stories in there. So the audiobook is super fun. I'm an audiobook guy myself. Definitely check out that. And they have a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal where I interview people about the goals they're working on. So yeah, you can find the book anywhere books are sold. And then I'm just johnacuff.com. And usually John Acuff, I think I'm on Instagram as John Acuff and Twitter. And then like author John Acuff on Facebook because there's probably some other John Acuff out there that, that beat me to the name. So I hope he's doing well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if you guys are listening to this podcast right now, just type in all it takes is a goal in your favorite podcast player. John, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Andy. What a great theme to start the year. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with John Acuff. Number one, find the potential zone. When John talked about the chaos zone, that was me to a T. January starts and I'm like, exercise every day, eat healthy every day, go on a weekly date with Nicole, take my kids on individual one-on-one -on -one time, and also crush my business goals as well, like now. <laughs> and you know what happens? Every single time, I surprisingly find out that my energy is not endless and there is not more than 24 hours in a day. And then I bounce to John's comfort zone, as he called it, of doing a lot less and missing out on my potential. So this year, with John's inspiration, of course, from this conversation, I'm going to create realistic habits and goals that help me find that potential zone and avoid the chaos zone. Number two, think of life in five games. I like John's breakdown of the five games when it comes to setting goals. We've got the career game, the financial game, the health game, the relationship game, and the fun game. When you get a free moment today, or I guess now, just as long as you're not driving, <laughs> take out a piece of paper, a notebook, or a journal, and write out these five games. For a fun thought experiment, write down one smart goal that you have in each of these areas. This could be fun. For example, for my financial game this year, a smart goal for me would be to Increase our emergency fund from three months of expenses to six months of expenses by the end of the year. Now, that's going to take some planning, some discipline, and development of some systems to make that happen, but it would definitely help me rest easier at night as a small business owner. 
Number three, seek inspiration from others you respect. Many times, we don't know what goals we want to have, right? And that's okay. Take inspiration from others that you know and respect in your life. Think of a person you know, and when you think of them, you're like, that person is really successful. Or that person is really winning at life. What are they doing that makes you feel like they're winning? Well, you might just want to experiment with the actions and the habits that person has. Soon enough, you might just look in the mirror and see that person looking back at you and say, that person is winning at life. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I'd love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and Facebook and at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. Let's keep this conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today, to Mandy Burt for her stellar writing, and Nev Mirage for her podcast support and much support on everything else, and to Weird Digital Marketing for their social media expertise. Without these folks, this content would not be possible. So thank you all so much once again. Hey. If you want to create some more connections with like-minded people who are on a mission to improve their family's finances, well, you should join us in our Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a free Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. As we start a new quarter, we ask our group members to share some goals they have. Recently, group member Angela shared this goal with us. She starts by saying, hello, paying off our mortgage early and saving for retirement. I'd prefer not to work at McDonald's when I'm 70 to make ends meet with a funny smiley face. <laughs> yes, Angela, I would agree. At 70, I would hope to be relaxing with a McDonald's coffee instead of serving that McDonald's coffee. But hey, paying off our mortgage early and saving for retirement is definitely going to help us to achieve that goal. Am I right? Yeah. Well, everybody, Angela's financial game plan is definitely honed in for the year. Now, Angela, if I may, I'd encourage you to get slightly more specific with these goals. How much can you realistically pay down on the mortgage this year? How much can you set aside so you're automatically paying it down month by month? If you don't have extra money right now to do this in your current budget, how can you grow the gap between your income and your expenses more? Could you reduce expenses by 100 bucks this month? maybe 250 next month or sell stuff around your house on Facebook marketplace and make a quick hundred bucks that you could throw at the mortgage. These are some fun questions to help you put your goals into action. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Angela. I am so excited to hear your progress of this mortgage pay down journey in our thriving families community. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Angela for sharing with us? All right, Angela, thank you so much. If you're looking to make some connections with like-minded people and get inspired by their goals, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook community. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from James Clear. Goals are good for setting a direction, but systems are best for making progress. Let's start developing smart habits that help us achieve our goals, everyone. Carpe diem. 